0: Welcome to Five Shot Weekly. Atlanta United finally played at the Benz, and it seemed like a resurgent performance. Let's review the match and more next. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ and this is Mark. And where it is you get your pods? Subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections, and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. Follow our Twitch for watch-alongs on match days on twitch.tv slash ATLUTDFanTV. So guys, let's get into the match review. And it was a 2-0 win against Nashville SC. We returned to the Benz in a triumphant way. Uh, I mean, getting that clean sheet quite good, even though I would say overall, uh, you know, we didn't maybe... Uh, kind of look like we were going to, uh, you know, always preserve a clean sheet throughout the match, but, uh, this is the way it started out. Uh, in terms of the starting lineup, you had Guzan, you had Bello, you had, uh, Fernando Mesa, you had Antoine Walks, and you had Franco Escobar, and then you had, uh, Brooks Lennon in that back line. It, it really actually, uh, played different ways, actually, but we'll get into it in a second. Uh, Eric Rometty started alongside Emerson Hyndman and Mateus Josetu, and then PT and Adam John were uh, were up there. And so in terms of that, it it could have looked like, a, you know, I think with the heat maps, it kind of looked like a 3-4-2-1. Uh, it also kind of at times looked like a 4-2-3-1 in some respects. But, uh, you know, I think it was just kind of very fluid throughout the match. Uh, Brooks Lennon and George Bello were very high up. Um, and so, you know, if they were the wingbacks, then, you know, they were definitely involved with a lot of the play. Um, and Franco Espar kind of stayed a little closer to the back line. And so he wasn't really that kind of bombing forward uh, fullback. So that's where it kind of did seem like a little bit more of a three-man back line. But... Either way. Yeah. I mean, I thought, yeah. I thought he got
1: forward at times. I thought at times he took up an aggressive position. But I think, yeah, I think it was a, a good description of it. I think it was fluid overall.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, with that being said, it was, um, you know, a lot of people are maligning that three-man backline. Uh, they don't want to see it because the three four three that's 3 that Frank de Boer employed uh, or deployed, it was just not maybe, uh, you know, their cup of tea. And this definitely, I think, you know, you could see from the off, even though it might have been a little bit, um, kind of rusty at points in the beginning, we grew into the match and I think, yeah, you know, you know, starting after, um, you know, what, three, four weeks, um, you know, playing full 90 minutes, it's always going to be a little bit, um, you know, showing a little signs of rust. So you know i think uh that's to be expected but you know the fact that we grew into the match like we did i think uh you know definitely bodes well because of the way i think the tactics were set out we were definitely on the front foot we wanted to play we wanted to be on the ball there were some one touch passes and uh you know you know we uh i think looked very very attacking and wanted to really um you know, punish Nashville as much as we could, Um, even though when you actually look at some of the stats, it was 15 shots for Nashville and six for us. And, you know, on target, it was five for Nashville and four for us. So we were definitely a lot more clinical. But, um, you know, do you have any, like, quick takeaways from, you know, the the lineup, like you just mentioned a little bit, but also, um, you know, what the impetus was from Stephen Glass, our interim head coach?
1: Yeah, I thought uh, one of the more interesting inclusions in the starting eleven was Mateus was set to. and then uh, as the match unfolded, I just thought Eric Rometti had a really tidy game um, in that uh, holding midfield role, and you know we've um, he was somebody that really uh, toward the end of 2019 and in the MLS is back. We didn't see we didn't see much of certainly on the starting lineup um he wasn't really entrusted with that role but i thought he did really well in terms of uh recoveries um you know clearances when they needed to be um i thought his fouling was smart for the most part and then you know he has uh, the assist for the first goal but so uh, i think an extension of that it's so in general like i've already mentioned you know hasetsu and Rometty. i think the midfield three the way they work together Speaking of uh, Heinemann as well, Um, I thought they looked fluid. I thought uh, another thing that jumped out to me was that the attack definitely seemed like they were going through the left side a little more. You had uh, Heinemann taking up a left-sided position a lot in the first half and then um, cutting in as the ball advanced. Um, George Bello was certainly into the attack. Um, you know, I thought he, I thought he did well to get up and down the field, but more in the first half, I think he was getting up, uh, getting up the field and, uh, you know, then, and there was Petey who was kind of floating, um, and, uh, getting on the ball as much as he could, um, certainly being involved with the attack as much as he could. Um, I thought you saw quite a few moves go through him even before that goal. So it was, um, I think it was an interesting performance seeing uh, the positions that they kind of took up in attack. because I think, you know, it was a combination of them finding the space, but it seems like a lot of that was premeditated in terms of, like, we're going to attack this side of the field, so, um, yeah, I mean, like, that was my I my think of the first half, especially with that lineup.
0: Yeah, because, yeah, definitely, you know, if you look at also uh, the percentage of uh, which, you know, third... Uh, we're attacking. It's that left side. We're absolutely just, you know, it's 47%. It's a ton of the the game. We're playing on that side. And yeah, George Bello is a uh, big piece of that. And also P.T. Martinez, of course, it seemed like uh, there was definitely more verticalidad. Basically, yeah, The uh, Making sure that we are uh, trying to play a little bit more direct. Once we get the ball, we're progressing it forward. And yeah, seeing that, I think definitely gets a lot more people excited. Because, you know, we want to be an attacking side that uh, looks to punish a team early and not to kind of dilly-dally on the ball. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, that onus... Uh, definitely, yeah, you saw good games from uh, PT, from, uh, yeah, George Bello. I mean, but, yeah, like you were mentioning with uh, Eric Rometty uh, and him, like, dropping in between the center backs a little bit, uh, that definitely allowed, I think, um, you know, more of the, uh, you know, not only recycling of possession and keeping possession, but us kind of moving our uh whole team up you know towards their uh their third and you know really just yeah. kind of avoiding having to play back and forth in our third and so you know very yeah. very important I mean
1: you know we didn't we didn't really abandon playing out of the back necessarily you know especially from like goal kicks and such you know you had the center back stationed in the in the box and then they would like do some i thought at times risky passing but uh, that also seemed deliberate in terms of uh, trying to draw Nashville out. um, I thought, I just want to talk a little bit about Hesetsu specifically because I thought he was also trying to get on the ball. He came deep at times to collect the ball. And he was kind of, um, him and Remedi I think, were kind of starting attacks and sort of uh, pulling the strings, which was encouraging to see. Because, you know, Hesetsu certainly, um, I think, even from preseason, you know, we've been excited to see what he can do. Um, in a real game situation so I thought this was uh, in, an encouraging performance and then the goal, you know, it comes off of Nashville's best look, you know uh, I thought um, probably, yeah, that's Guzan's like the, his best save, I think probably his most, uh, easily the most difficult moment because other than that I can't think of too many really good Nashville chances but uh, no, he does well with the save and then you know, Rometty gets on the ball and he finds PD over the top, and uh, one thing, one criticism I think I have uh, and you saw this more in the first half was just a lot of crossing and you can understand why they would do that with Adam John in the game, but uh, Nashville, you know, they just have those twin towers back there, Mm -hmm. and um, I think it's Joe Willis, yeah, he's, you know, he's not a small keeper either, and so that was always going to be a difficult route uh, to try to attack Nashville, and so I was just wondering if maybe this wasn't the best matchup for John uh, I think you know maybe he did the best he could, but then you saw Petey on you know, the ball running at the center backs. You know he uh, chops Walker's and runs out of his shoes and uh, gets the goal that way. So it's uh, it was an interesting first half, I think overall.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I, I think you know you bring up a good point in that Adam John being in this match, while in theory you know him maybe holding it up and being able to bring in other players. Uh, might work, it's, yeah, I mean, he essentially wasn't very visible in this match, he had four uh, completed passes, I think, throughout the entire match, but I think, uh, you know, also, though, he was making that run uh, that drew away another defender so that PT could, uh, you know, get in the box and score, and so, you know, that, he, he did open up space for other players, and so, um you know there is selfless runs in there uh when you're a striker it, it you know you might be doing some things that might help the team but it might not always be visible but um but it is yeah i mean largely you know did he really get uh you know some dangerous shots off was he really uh that involved in our build up not too much and so that's where when Kubo Torres came on and, um, you know, the substitutes in there, some people maybe thought he could start maybe, um, you know, if he did start this match, I, I think it could have worked as well. Uh, I think we could have uh, run rampant a little bit uh, at times because you saw it. I mean, you know, Nashville in the second half definitely tired a little bit more uh, and yeah. we hit them on the counter. Both goals were essentially counter goals. Um, not really us trying to play through them and uh, you know, quick, tidy little passes. Although, although in the 24th minute, uh, that almost happened where when we uh, almost one-touched them and it ended up on Brooks Lennon's feet yes. in the box. Oh, Ooh, that that would have been a beautiful team goal because yeah, yes, that was would've. you know that was what we want to see. I think you know that's that yeah. type of uh, it, almost you you walk in the goal, but it is beautiful to see anytime you know a team can pull it off, and uh, we pulled off some of those yeah. before, but.
1: Yeah, it's that it's that one touch, but at the same time, quick progression. It's almost like uh, a tiki counter. So you know what I mean. But like, yeah, the the interplay before the ball to Bello, I, I thought that was very good as well. And uh, yeah, I'm sure Brooklyn would want to have that one back.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think you know he he knew that that was a really really good chance. Uh, but you know it also yeah you see involved in that 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 cross is from George Bello, and um, yeah I mean he was just uh, I think. In terms of performances, attacking wise, this was definitely, I think, you know, maybe sans that New England Revolution one, um, you know, one of his more complete attacking performances, uh, where you know he was just kind of terrorizing that left side. But uh, yeah, and he was pretty solid. I think going backwards, I think only got beat maybe so a couple too. times. But other than that, uh, yeah, made the interceptions when he needed to. Um, was tidy on the ball when asked to be, but I think uh, yeah, you know. Uh... No, go ahead.
1: No, I was gonna say he tracked run as well. I thought you know he yeah. wasn't. I didn't. I don't remember a time him getting caught out. You know, so yeah, I agree with you.
0: Yeah, but uh, I think something uh, interesting from this match was the refing. Indeed, was uh, a bit annoying <sighs> at times. It seemed like uh, you know the ref. Uh, when we had a, you know, a, a play where we could play advantage, he, uh, you know, called it, pulled it back when, uh, yeah, we could have played it forward and we were still on the ball. Uh, you know, the, the foul and, uh, yellow to Anton walks questionable. Uh, Oof. Oof. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah. Throughout the match. That
1: so soft.
0: Yeah. It, it seemed like, you know, he wanted to call everything. And um, sometimes you kind of need to let the match flow a little bit. We called this in the, the match preview. Ted Uncle is one of those guys that, yes, is, uh, you know, one of those guys that gets you talking to yourself when uh, he refs matches. Yeah. It's just like, w- what is he doing here? But, uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like,
1: I know we joke on, you know, when we talk about this, but in reality, it's actually really frustrating to see some of those yes. calls. There was another call after the questionable uh, walks yellow card. He called a foul on Mesa, even though it looked like a really good tackle. And I'm just yeah. like, "What is this, man?" You know, yeah. it's like I thought. Eileen and I did well to keep their heads um, mm-hmm. in that little passage of play because that came actually before the goal.
0: Right. I mean, for the most part, so, until uh, you know, one of the Nashville players pretty much uh, try to manhandle George Bello, and then yes, there's scuffles after that. Yeah. I mean, almost has to be yeah, because. But-
1: yeah, Rometty got in there. Yeah. And I I agree with that too, protecting a young player. There's probably a little bit of that a little yeah. bit of gamesmanship in
0: chimney. Right. And yeah, to be shoved off the the you know, the ball on, on the sideline like that for no reason at all is like, yeah, I mean, you're going <laughs> to you're going to get it from the team, whoever the enforcers are yeah. on the team. I think one of the coaches also right. stepped in. And uh yeah, I mean, it had to happen I think cuz, you know, you got to you got to stand up for your players as well. But um yeah. but anyway, so Let's get to that that second goal. I mean, you know, that's. I think a beauty. I think uh, for most of it, I think mostly at the end of it. But uh, <laughs> but Mo Adams, he uh, you know he steps forward at their uh, at their player that's on the ball, dispossesses him, and then PT Martinez finds Kubo Torres, who Mo Adams continues to run forward. And uh, he's found by Kubo Torres where, yeah, I mean, the the ball maybe isn't perfect, but Mo Adams has enough pace to get on the end of it. And, uh, yeah, his head is up. He looks uh, at that third-man run and out of nowhere, I mean, just an absolute bullet. And PT Martinez, uh, it's like... I don't even like. I don't know how many miles per hour or like kilometers per hour that was, but it was like lickety split. It was behind the like, goalkeeper's hand, like he couldn't do anything about yeah. it.
1: Yeah, no. Like by the time he gets his hand where the ball was, the ball's hitting the back of the net. Like it, it was a rocket. It's like when, you know, like the the cliche I think is he shouldn't get beaten on his near post, but that that shot was just a rocket. Yeah. Um, and in terms of that sequence of play. So, like, I watched this match on replay. I, didn't, I wasn't able to watch it live, but I was making notes. And about 10 minutes before that goal, one of the notes I made was that Petey's still working really hard on and off the ball. You know, he's chasing, uh, he's still pressing, he's still uh, chasing down loose balls and so on. Being a nuisance. And, uh, and he starts that by pressing, uh, I, I forget who the national player was, but essentially pressing him off the ball. You know, he creates that turnover in midfield, uh, gets it to Kubo, Google finds Mo Adams. And so, Mo Adams, I thought, was an interesting stuff because he came on for Hyman. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you and I have talked about Adams a bit. You know, just you know, we kind of have been wondering exactly does Adams offer to the team. Um, I thought he came on and he had good energy. I thought he was showing a willingness to get on the ball, you know, help move it around, especially when you're protecting a lead. That's important. And then, yeah, he has the energy to get forward be an option for... Uh, Kubo maybe the pass isn't the best but uh, he still tracks it down and he plays a simple ball back to Petey I mean it's just those little things you know mm-hmm. like we remember the Golasso for sure you know that's at the majority of the credit but uh, it is a little bit of a team goal you know against a team that was uh, like we mentioned earlier was kind of struggling at that point so um, mm-hmm. yeah it was a really encouraging goal to see I and mean, you love seeing the, the quality from Petey absolutely
0: yeah and then, you know, with the celebration, he, uh, he puts up a seven for Joseph Martinez. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, again, the, the hashtag 2020 for Joseph. We're, uh, you know, unfortunately, he's not able to, you know, play in 2020. But it is just really great to see that he's uh, still being, you know, loved by the players. And, you know, it's not even it's not uh, like, you know, he had to do that. Like he was showing love for Joseph because, yeah, he's he's our uh, our our talisman for sure. But um, yeah, so these were uh, Pete Martinez's first two goals in the 2020 season, which is insane because we're in August. But uh, obviously because uh, of the, the pandemic and MLS's back tournament and how that went. Um, you know, in terms of the MLS season, obviously, I think he had scored in the Champions League, and so uh, right. different.
1: That's, that's what I was trying to remember. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah.
0: that's where it's like, yeah, you know, we all remember he did start the season quite well, but um, yeah, so you know, there are the people that maligned him for sure, uh, especially during the MLS's back tournament. But I think this is a great stepping stone. Uh, now we just want to see some more consistency from PT Martinez, but um, yeah, in terms of that though, what do you think the difference was in this match? Because yeah, before uh, I think there was some talk that you know uh, he's you know he spoke to the the press saying that he was being played in more of the left wing, uh, and you know wh- whether either he was or wasn't, it also was Stephen Glass had studied some video on him at River Plate and. Kind of hoping to try to get the best of PT. So in that regard, um, you know, what did you see in this match that was maybe different from, uh, you know, previous kind of, you know, just performances where it really wasn't quite, you know, put together from PT.
1: Yeah, well, we've mentioned the word fluid, and I think that's certainly uh, in terms of PT and his positioning. I thought uh, he did have kind of a free role. Uh, and except that I do think he uh, favored the left side again because, uh, you know, so many we had so many attacks going down the left side. I think Petey was just always going to be involved in the attack. But uh, at the same time, you know, he was collecting the ball deep at times. I think wanting to uh, get a touch on the ball, and just kind of wanting to move the team up. Um, but then also we saw times when uh, maybe we would play out of the back and then with uh, if Nashville was kind of drawn up field a little bit, he would collect and then run into space. And so it just seemed like he had kind of different responsibilities, and overall, um, you know, he was kind of judging the game as he saw it, you know. And so I thought, uh, yeah, maybe like a little bit of freedom, but at the same time, with an obvious plan in place. So mm-hmm. uh, that's, I, I think that's, that's probably, I will say I was a little bit surprised to see him on the left, you know, with him being left footed, but he made good use of it. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see uh what how this works uh if and when barco is able to come back in because before barco played on the left wing and then you think you would think at that point pd would move to the right but i mean Mm -hmm. uh he looked comfortable on the left so Mm -hmm. you know i think uh the fluidity was just important to pd's play and the team's play in general
0: yeah and i think yeah that is the interesting point here is ezekiel barco was not in the match uh In the 23 at all, uh, because yeah, uh, he suffered a knock on Friday in training. Also, Miles Robinson uh, was not match fit, Jurgen Dahm uh, was not match fit nor uh, really integrated into the team quite yet, but. Yeah, back to Barco. In terms of uh, them, you know, they kind of end up in similar positions at times when they're both in the game. They've literally run into each other at times. Uh, Him not being in this match, uh, I think, you know, kind of opened it up for PT. Him uh, having more space to run into, possibly. Uh, So it'll be really interesting to see when Barco returns, uh, you know, what they do about that. And you know, kind of creating space for each other. Uh, maybe they have to, you know, kind of swap sides at times during a match to allow each other to have more space to operate. But um, in terms of PT, I think for me the difference is that um, you know he's not running the game; he's not having and forced to uh, you know have to pull all the strings. I think more that he's you know in the uh, in the last third able to you know be that guy to um you know make things happen and make plays happen i think hosetu i think uh yeah rometty like you were saying earlier they were running the game more uh i think evident in uh hosetu not only having to play like three different positions throughout the match actually he was moved by Stephen glass around uh, to try to kind of um you know in the game state try to uh adjust to things that were uh you know maybe some deficiencies in areas and i think at one point steven glass said like yeah i mean you know Hosetu um you know i moved him over to the right after um Hyman came out because it's just maybe it wasn't quite exactly what we needed but uh yeah 96% uh pass accuracy in you know i think second most passes in the game uh next to to anton walks I mean, that's some tidiness that, yeah, you know, kind of reminds you a little bit of uh, Donnton Nagby. That's like, you know, that production that we want to see. But anyway, so uh, moving on to some notes. Uh, Brad Guzan, he recorded his first clean sheet of the season, but also the 37th clean sheet for Atlanta United. That was uh, for in his career anyway. But um, yeah, and this was Eric Rometty's third career assist with the club. It came, uh, his last one came July 7th against Houston Dynamo. That was quite a quite a while ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, back to Guzan. I mean, he was pumped after the match. <laughs> and he almost tore off yeah. Steven Glass's arm, like, dapping him up. I mean, uh, I think yeah. Dan Gargan, the uh, Fox Sports Southeast uh, analyst, was saying, yeah, I mean, you know, he's just passing out uh, (laughs) concussions again and that's (laughs) jeez I mean you know Escobar knows uh, and in this match yeah yeah, there were definitely some moments where uh, I think he collided with uh, was it Mesa I mean who was it I think but either way uh, one of the players yeah unfortunately ran oh I think it was John but unfortunately ran into uh, (laughs) uh, unfortunately ran into uh, Zamp. but uh, yeah, definitely. Another negative from this match, unfortunately, is that Fernando Mesa did have to um, pretty much come off at halftime. He uh, got injured, and the extent of that isn't quite known yet. It looked like a strain, maybe a pull of a hammy. Uh, he was able to at continue, the end of the half, but
1: yeah, at the end of that half, he was just not moving. I mean, like it was, yeah. uh, it was that was troubling to see for sure.
0: Yeah, and definitely, you know, that's, uh, you know. We we have a few center backs, but they're not as experienced as a Fernando Mesa, and that's uh, vitally important when you have so many matches in a row. We're uh, not in a row, but just uh, every three days, we essentially will have a match. It's uh, you need all the depth that you can get, and you don't want players to get injured. But it it kind of you know just. Uh, I think we'll come with the territory. We'll have to kind of play with all of our squad. So some of the guys that maybe weren't able to kind of play a part in this match, the Jake Mulraneys, the Manuel Castros, um, you know, they will probably definitely uh, see more game time in the in the future. But Mm
1: -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, uh, Miles, you know, he didn't get the start, but he came on at halftime. I thought he was very good, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, hopefully, he's able to start going forward, you know. Hopefully, you can build on this performance.
0: Yeah, and it seemed like yeah, if he wasn't 90 minutes fit, I mean, it's uh, I think this will be a great step in getting him, uh, you know, 90 minutes fit. And if he plays 45, you know, that's a that's a good step forward in that. But um, yeah, in terms of uh, another positive that uh, I recall was that Joseph Martinez was uh, chatting with Stephen Glass, uh, kind of right before the match having like a 10 minute chat just really kind of getting into it i don't know if they were talking tactics i don't know if uh Mm -hmm. joseph's vying for assistant coach in the meantime when uh when he's not playing (laughs) but uh it was great to see him in the building and uh you know talking with the manager and definitely i think uh you know we were probably you know chatting through the game a little bit kind of uh seeing if they had some things uh some ideas they could share but um yeah, yeah. I think, ultimately, what uh, what are your thoughts on uh, this match? And, you know, are there things that we can improve on? What was uh, maybe the standout for you? Obvious, probably, standout. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: no, I mean, I think to add on to the positives, I was overall, I was happy with the performance of the back line. I do think, especially more in the first half, Nashville had some looks on the counter. Uh, but I thought overall, the whole back line kind of fell back well, played well. Uh, Anton Watts, I think, was really good. And, you know, I was just thinking about this. Like, he's kind of somebody that can play along a back four. We've seen him play at left back. We've seen him play at right back. He played center back against Nashville. And so he's really good depth. Um, one thing I think I would like to see more, though, uh, is more switches in attack. You know, I think there were times where we. Uh, we're attacking down one side and then you know in i think that's a moment where i'd like to see maybe a switch to the fullback on the other side especially if we're going to have the fullbacks pushed up um but you know i think all of it at the same time comes with time you know they're still kind of learning uh adjusting to a new system um but i think um more switches would help us help the team unlock defenses that are sitting Perhaps, you know, sitting deep, bunkering like Nashville were a little bit. So, um, yeah, you know, we could have we could have created more chances for sure. But that, again, that's going to come with time, I think. Yeah. Uh, but overall, not too many negatives. I thought uh, one thing about Guzan, I thought he was strong in the air. I thought, mm. uh, you know, he was commanding, had a few key punches. I mentioned he uh, collided with John, I think, or somebody, you know, typical Guzan performance. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, yeah, I think uh, that pretty much sums up my thoughts. Yeah, on uh, what I really took away from this match.
0: Yeah, and PT obviously the man of the match when you score two goals. And uh, yeah. I think uh, with good reason. I mean, the efficiency we were very, very clinical in this match. Yeah. Um, you know, we. Uh, I think, I think the negative for me is how easily we could have been undone with balls over the top. I mean, just route one, and we like very well could have conceded but because of nashville uh yeah being a little inept at the uh the forward departments and yeah gary smith their coach even acknowledges that that yeah we definitely need uh you know some uh just more goals at the forward position and whatnot and that's just kind of you know you know a kind of chemistry of that us uh you know I think squashing out most of their chances uh, and then, you know, them not being very good uh, going forward. But uh, I think largely, you know, we uh, we saw the kind of impetus, the style that uh, was of yesteryear. And that's Stephen Glass, you know, getting his first win for the club and his first win uh, in his career at a, you know, at a, um, you know, at MLS, and so that's really, really great to see. You saw that how uh, how uh, ecstatic he was after the match as well, and definitely some of the photos and in um, press conferences he was beaming, and so uh, you know, or eh, maybe not beaming because he had a mask on, but yeah, he was having trouble to uh, understand or like remember what the question was even, and so you know, you definitely could tell that uh, you know the excitement was there, but. Uh, Getting into some post-match quotes, uh, P.T. Martinez, he talked about what was maybe different from Orlando and, uh, you know, currently. He said that, uh, you know, I said it because it was like that in terms of uh, not defending the shirt properly in Orlando. He said, I felt it and I said it Thursday. Tonight we showed a completely different face. We're very happy. This is the path. We have to keep learning we have to keep working to be better today we showed character and for us that was very important and um yeah you you see like you know all on social media the, the team looks very happy as well uh not only because of a win but i think you know during some of the uh, uh you know the celebrations even there just seems more unbridled joy but uh Goalkeeper, uh, yeah, Brad Ruzan, he also talked about the communication with the, within the team. Uh, he talked about it, said, uh, Tonight, I think you saw especially that there were times where, uh, where when we had excellent sequence of play and build up from the back to the front. Of course, it wasn't perfect for the entire game, but we knew it wasn't going to be. He went on to say, um, yeah, like PT Martinez is fantastic. And then obviously with a bit of magic and he puts it in the back end the net. These are little things that will ultimately make a big difference. Tonight is one step in the right direction. We know we have to get better. It wasn't perfect, but it was certainly a positive night for us. And, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely very, very true. But, anyway, let's wrap a bow on that match. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, fun to see LA United get back in the win column. And, uh, you know, we... Uh, we definitely have been missing that for most of the, uh, the kind of quarantine. And so, lovely to see goals being scored. Lovely to see three points. But anyway, let's get into the news. And Stephen Glass uh, talked about uh, Fernando Mesa. He says uh, he, he hasn't spoken to Fernando Mesa yet. But uh, yeah, obviously, you got a knock at the end of the half and you had to come off. Uh, Miles Robinson was ready and stepped in right away for Fernando. As for Ezekiel Barco, he received a knock-in training. And, um, you know, with so many games in the short period coming up, we felt it was better to protect him. I think just uh, kind of wise coaching there and kind of uh, player management. Uh, He said he's going to be an important player for us for the rest of the season, so there's no point in gambling on guys at this stage. But, um he also spoke about on what he thought about the crowd noise being pumped into the stadium. Yeah, there was. If you didn't notice, there was definitely some crowd noise, uh, like we spoke about in the previous podcast, uh, that the players could hear. You know, kind of to try to get them get them in the comfort zone and uh, maybe get Nashville out of their comfort zone. But uh, they definitely had tried that in some training. Heard it. They liked it. But uh, yeah, uh, Stephen Glass. He talked about. I thought it worked really good tonight. We did it in training earlier in the week, so the lads knew it was coming. It's a great way of us feeling like the fans are there. They are a huge driving force for the whole club and for the team. When the second goal goes in, I think the roof would have come off. Hopefully, when they are allowed back, we will feel that excitement for real. And, yeah, that's that's the tragedy, I think, in this. is uh, Yeah, I mean, that, pfft, I think everybody would have been... It, it's kind of... In terms of out of nowhere, uh, it's sort of like that Tito Vichalba goal against Orlando City. I mean, just an absolute bullet. Uh, and it's just uh, those are those are fun to see. And the crowd would have, I think, reacted accordingly as well. But um, Brad Gizan talked about playing inside the empty stadium. He said it certainly has a strange feeling to it. We missed our fans tremendously. They know what uh, they mean to us, but we certainly know what they uh, mean to us as well. To be in the stadium and not have that has never happened. So when it has happened for the first time, it is certainly different. But we know that they're with us from start to finish, and hopefully it won't be too long when we are able to have them back cheering us on in person. So great words said there. Uh, Now, there were some different festivities being... uh, Done than uh, normal, obviously because of no fans there. But uh, yeah, there was on the Halo board uh, a Golden Spike hitter in Piedmont Hospital nurse Krista Hofstetter, uh, and yeah, that's uh, amazing to see that they're honoring you know uh, our healthcare um, you know healthcare people that are really just sacrificing so much to uh, you know keep the public health, but um you know and then they also had uh the golden spike on uh, the uh the columns as well throughout the building where you hashtagged uh and your photo could end up on the golden spike and yeah pretty pretty cool to see it was uh yeah i think uh some overlap i think more people maybe need to do it and uh maybe need to be more aware of it but um but anyway so Let's move on to the standings, and I think it's very interesting because yes, MLS's back was terrible for us. We lost three games, one nil, but we're fourth in the standings right now. I mean, lull. Uh, I mean, it just shows you how early it is in the season. It's just uh, you know you see the you know the how the table looks with the Crew, with Toronto FC, with New York Red Bulls. Uh, ahead of us in Orlando uh, two spots behind us and then yeah at the bottom of the table is NYCFC I mean it's just yeah this yeah. is this is a crazy uh, you know MLS season and it's only going to get crazier I feel like but um, you know now yeah. we're, we're back in a, a kind of comfortable playoff spot even though it's yeah still early days but
1: you're right yeah, I mean, like that's the thing too. Like MLS is a forgiving league, you know what I mean? Yeah. And especially if they allow more entrance into the postseason, I think that's been kind of floated out there. And yeah, I think Atlanta I mean, should be fine. You know, I'd be surprised if they, if they don't at least make it to the postseason.
0: Exactly. I think that's not only the the low bar that's uh, Like that. That's what we have to do, really. But, um, yeah. but anyway. So moving on from that. Uh, Frank DeBoer, he spoke to Felipe Cardenas of The Athletic. And uh very telling article, but I think also confirmation of a lot of what we thought as well. He kind of confirmed uh, not only the Joseph and PT kind of uh, walking off training pitches, but he, he kind of mentioned that was happening before uh, he was there as well. Um, he also talked about how, uh, yeah how the actual dismissal or kind of mutual parting of ways actually happened. Uh, he said that, yeah, Carlos Bocanegra and Darren Eels approached him after the MLS's back tournament and he was supposed to have a day off and uh, he got called into, uh, you know, into work and they kind of talked to him about it. The whole, uh, you know, conversation kind of centered around, yeah, kind of the results not being there, performance not being there. Uh, maybe it's a good time for front Boer to step away and he actually said that he didn't have much of a choice in the matter which is uh I mean pretty much saying that it was a dismissal I mean um, right you know and but either way it's uh you know um, I think we we knew you know kind of uh there was some trouble definitely uh in Orlando in at the MLs back tournament right uh, it was def- it definitely I think caught Several people off guard, and that's, um, you know, that they would do it kind of swiftly, like, like they did. But I think it is. I mean, yeah. um, a lot of people were seeing that there was just a lot of tension, a lot of, um, you know, kind of divisive tactics. that you know, obviously wasn't working. But uh, you know, I think very telling. I think throughout uh, the article. But he also uh, talked about Darlington Nagby, and uh, and some of the players that. He basically, he didn't want to lose. I mean, Darlington D- D- Nagby, he said Go that, um, you know, he pretty much um, was wanting to keep him, but kind of out of his control and that uh, he didn't agree with the trade. Uh, he said 100% not. You cannot replace a player like that. He's one of the best players, and he's still so or he was so important to the team, especially because of the way we played. Especially, yeah, because, you know, he wants to keep possession. And <laughs> who's a better possession player in the league? No one. Donovan Hagby is, yeah, the man. But, uh, and as you saw, you know, even, you know, now he's getting even more chances to uh, be aggressive towards goal. I mean, that's Galasso that he scored where he flipped it up to himself, uh, yeah, this past weekend. Oh, my God. It just makes us all miss him even more. But... <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so he also, uh, Frank DeBoer talked about how, um, you know, the, the loss against Toronto FC, he almost was in disbelief because he was contemplating what should have been a spectacular a- achievement for the club. And that, if, uh, you know, we were able to get into the MLS cup final and maybe win it, it would have been three titles and it could be a entirely different conversation. Uh, but alas, you know. It is at the end of the day our biggest and you know uh the the goal that we want at the end of each season is getting mls cup so you know he didn't he didn't deliver that for us, and there were some embarrassing results at mls's back tournament and so thus he is gone but uh anyway on to another telling uh thing is that. Uh, Andrew Carlton spoke with the MLS Gone Wild podcast. And um, yeah, you know, he's been on loan with Indy 11. He's balling out and he uh, wanted to kind of set some records straight. And I think that's very, uh, yeah, very interesting. I mean, obviously it's been a while since some of these have happened, but he never actually said uh, he said he never actually got to speak on it. So he wants to kind of clear the air, at least from his side of the story. But uh, yeah, you know, you may have heard that, um, you know, there was a passport incident when uh, he was going to Toronto and the team was going to Toronto and the, uh, the team basically said that he had forgotten his passport, but he said point blank to the podcast, I did not forget my my passport, I've never had an opportunity to speak on the situation so since I've never had an opportunity to speak on the situation, I'm not going to speak a whole lot on the situation today, but I did not forget my passport what would you think of that before we get to the other thing
1: <laughs> no, that's, I mean that's very interesting you know, like that's all I can really say because it's obviously a complete contradiction to what was reported, so
0: mm-hmm. it's a he said, she said
1: Yeah, so he said, she said, and then it's like let's let's take let's okay maybe take his word for it. Let's say uh, it wasn't he did not forget his passport. Then what was that? Was that a punishment? You know what I mean? Or you know was that? I don't know. It's it's interesting.
0: Yeah, and then uh, he talked about um, well, there was an incident where uh, you know at MLS Cup right before apparently uh, according to. Uh, Pablo Marr, he said that, um, well, his tweet said that, I'm frankly surprised that LA United fans didn't notice, but uh, Andrew Carlton was out partying, and uh, it was on his Snapchat or whatever. And uh, and so that's why he wasn't able to uh, partake in any of the MLS, uh, MLS Cup festivities in the march as well, in the parade. Uh, just the parade, rather. But uh, he said... Uh, on that incident he said have you guys seen a video of me out and about before MLS Cup maybe we should question what all we see correct now I did do something to get me in trouble before MLS Cup 100% however whatever is out there in the news world and soccer world is not 100% he also said though yes I 100% own up to all the immaturity the mistakes that I made in my career I've learned from it I'm matured from it. I'm probably the most mature 20 year- old you're ever going to see nowadays. I think that's the most important thing to me is that I learn from my mistakes, and I've moved on from that. I'm working harder than ever in my career to get back to where I want to be. And I think, yeah, he's definitely, I think, taken kind of a sabbatical in his mind and uh, tried to get back, uh, you know, where he uh, feels like he should be in his career. He said that also later in the podcast that he had kind of lost a love for playing the game um, but he has kind of I think rekindled that back now and I think you can see that I mean he's uh, got three assists uh, so far in the USL restart for Indy 11 and he's linking up with uh, a former uh, you know uh, player that we had for a very hot minute in terms of only in trade but Tyler Pasher but yeah, he's doing well, he's doing better, and I think, me personally, I'm very much hoping to see him uh, flourish, and uh, hopefully in an LA United shirt. But, um, yeah, the MLS yeah. Cup thing, yeah, you want to speak on that?
1: Um, Again, just interesting. I mean, yeah, you know, I um, it, it makes me curious, but also at the same time, like, I feel like it's one of those things we'll never really know what happened, and uh, you know, as long as T's emotionally uh, moved on from it you know and learned whatever lessons that needed to be learned um, you know then fine I mean like I'm still rooting for him you know and I think that uh, if let's say Barco leaves about this time next year and Andrew Carlton could be really important to us next season you know so I think it's this this form that he's showing now is encouraging uh, you know he plays for Indy 11 is a, is a big time USL team so um, you know, he's going to, they're probably going to go far in the tournament or the playoffs or however they're setting up. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he can carry this form on and carry some momentum into the 2021 season.
0: Yeah. Uh, so moving on from that, Joseph Martinez has been seen running on a anti or an anti-gravity treadmill. And that's, yeah, I mean, you love to see that's because, you know, not only is he kind of rehabbing and kind of getting closer and closer but uh, you know the fact that he can kind of put even just the tiniest bit of weight even if it's anti-gravity I mean that's uh, you know that's steps forward so um, you know obviously some people are uh, really ragging on him about his weight but you try not essentially being able to to, you know um, do cardio and you not, you know, gain any weight. That's just, it's almost nearly impossible unless your metabolism is insane. But uh, anyway, so let's move on to Atlanta United 2. Atlanta United 2, they recently played Tampa Bay uh, Rowdies and they fell to one. Now, uh, Philip Goodrum, he scored his first professional goal. It was a penalty, but uh, yeah, ultimately it was in a loss. But, yeah, the, uh, the twos will be on a little bit of a break until September 2nd where they play Philadelphia Union 2. But, anyway, uh, last bit of news is on loan watch for the Phoenix Rising. Lagos Kunga, he uh, assisted on a goal for a milestone for the 2019 league MVP in Solomon Asante. And, uh, yeah, so far he's got one goal and one assist in six games for Phoenix Rising. But hopefully he can continue to get some more game time. Uh, He's also a very talented homegrown player that uh, maybe isn't getting his due. But anyway, uh, that does it for the news and for a little bit of housekeeping. Follow our Twitch for some watch-alongs and on every match day, we will be there streaming. So come and hang out, come and banter, come and chat. It's on Twitch.tv slash TV. But let's move on to the mailbag. And you guys send in these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so. We might answer your question in the future. But first question comes from Frostjack101. Frostjack101 asks, Where's Joseph Martinez? All right. So this is our daily, or not daily, but weekly, it feels, uh, you know, a question of, how joseph martinez is doing and yes he uh is out for the 2020 season and yes he is rehabbing he's doing well he's maybe even slightly ahead of schedule but you know it is what it is he is out for the season so uh next question comes from (laughs) yeah go ahead
1: Yeah, It's just like this week, he was running on the treadmill. We saw him talking to the coach. Like yeah. It's just like a weekly like update of what he's doing, which is basically the same thing every week.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I mean, he's always on his boat. He's always uh, catching wherever he is. Uh, we all hope it's not Lake Lanier. Uh, maybe it's Lake Alatoona. <laughs> but either way, uh, yeah, if you don't know what the deal is with Lake Lanier, Google it. And maybe... Hopefully, if bit. he is going to Lake Lunier, somebody has, uh, you know, told him a little bit about it, too. But uh, next question comes from Drew Kendig. Drew Kendig asks, who that didn't already do you think could have could have played slash started on the MLS Cup team? Now, you know, just kind of going through the, the whole lineup for the MLS Cup team. Huzan, Larry, Parkey, LGP. Escobar Gressel Nagby uh Rametti garza and then Almiron and Joseph who on our current squad could start over any of them who do you think
1: oh that's tough I don't I don't think I can name anybody except maybe miles you know, like I think miles could have possibly. yeah could have possibly played at uh right center back where Larry played um, if you remember earlier in the playoffs, uh, versus NYCFC miles did play in that spot because, uh, Lerner was hurt. Um, or he could have possibly played in the middle, but then Parkey had a great game and you know, his tackles really the assist for the first goal. So, mm-hmm. um, but as for the others, I don't think anybody that we have now could have, could have started over them. You know, like I think even. You know, we would need to see more from Petey before we could say, you know, he's uh, he's of this, I guess, caliber. Because you have to remember, too, the form that these guys were in in 2018. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, even somebody like Garza, who didn't play very much, he did play a vital role in the playoffs. So, it's uh, it's a good question, and it's tough. And I think it just shows you that, you know, we did lose a lot of good players in kind of a short space of time.
0: Yeah, well-answered. I, I really I can't add anything more to that, really. So, uh, yeah, I agree, man. Uh, last question comes from Junixor02. Asked, when will Jurgen Dom debut? I mean, I think, uh, you know, he has a good shout on Wednesday. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, he will probably not start. It will probably be more of a run-out. And, uh, you know, I think... You know, if he starts, it might kind of be on maybe the fourth match. I think he might uh, kind of be used as a super sub until then. Uh, You know, so inter-Miami, Orlando, uh, those will be matches where he can come on and maybe terrorize them in the second half. And I think that's a useful weapon to have off of the bench for sure. But uh, you have anything to add to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just based on the lineup that we used uh, last night. I mean, I would say maybe Lennon is one that you could possibly replace. But then I think, like, if Barco comes back, then you have PD and Barker on the wings. Um, so, I mean, I think Dom could possibly play that role that Lennon played as well. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he'll be brought along. Maybe won't get a start until the third or fourth match.
0: Yeah, I think that's what's interesting about the squad right now is there's a lot of unknown quantities, in a sense, because we haven't seen how they actually perform within the squad, within a game for us. And so, you know, there are things that we, we do want to see. We want to see how they uh, can play together, because some of these kind of, uh, you know, pieces are really in competition for places. Uh, I think especially, you know, a Brooks Lennon and a Jurgen Dom. And so, you know, it'll be very interesting to see what happens at Manuel Castro as well. I mean, that's just, yeah, there's a lot of players that could play in a lot of, uh, you know, different roles. Jake Mulraney. But anyway, all right. That does it for the mailbag and pretty much the entire show, except for the question of the day. And the question of the day is, who do you think gets more matches in 2020? Kubo Torres or Jurgen Dom? Let us know in the comments below who you think really interested in seeing what you have to say. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already, and share this episode and leave us a review so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Mark, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening.